Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast, powered by Exabel. I'm Mark Fleming-Williams. In this episode, I speak to Toby Dayton of LinkUp, the provider of job listing data. In our conversation, Toby and I talk from the roots of LinkUp as a job board itself, through compiling a monthly non-farm payrolls estimate, which was swiftly relied upon in the financial markets, to being an established alternative data provider in the present day. So in this episode, I'm joined by Toby Dayton of LinkUp. Thanks very much for joining us today, Toby. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely. Um, Toby, you're extremely welcome. Um, you're extremely welcome uh, in general. Um, and it, it's actually um, what I'm, uh, one of the things I'm really looking forward to is, is, is talking to someone who was really there at the beginning um, and, uh, and somebody who's, who's got a, a very long history in alternative data. Um, and uh, I always enjoy that. So looking forward to that. Why don't we start first of all, um, so we know what we're talking about. Why don't you just introduce LinkUp briefly and just say, um, who is LinkUp and what do you do? Yeah, perfect. That's a good place to start. Give everybody a little bit of context on on the data set. So we LinkUp is the global leader in delivering job market data uh, to a wide variety of clients that we serve. And what we do is uh, we're indexing job openings directly from company websites around the world on a daily basis. So every day we go out to the web and we're scraping job openings that you'd find directly on company websites. So it's um, you know, millions of jobs every day from tens of thousands of employers. And so we've got a real-time, accurate, very granular uh, look into labor demand. And we've built a range of data solutions that deliver signal and value and, and unlock uh, the insights uh, deep into labor demand and all the related things that you can learn about companies and industries and geographies. And so we're delivering those data solutions to people that can look at and, and uh, understand and, and use those insights at a company level, at a sector level, geographic, and, and all the way up to a macro level. So that's that's link up in a nutshell and uh, happy to sort of drill into that further as we talk. Fantastic. So that is link up in, uh, in February 2022. Uh, where does our story begin? It actually it it is uh, as you noted we've we have been in uh, we we've been around for quite some time. So the company itself actually goes back uh, over twenty years. So we the origins really are are of the business uh, go all the way back to a uh, sort of two thousand two thousand one uh, time frame and the legacy business uh, that we founded in the human capital management space. So that's really it, it does go back quite. Quite quite a while. So, what was the what was the original business doing? So, so the business was founded uh, back then. It was really at the time uh, the the goal was to develop a far better solution in the job space. So, we set out to build a multimedia recruitment advertising company that back then, and and I'm going to sort of date myself uh, because it was it, it's 
it's hard to imagine what, uh, remember what that world looked like back then, but uh, Monster and Career Builder, Yahoo, Hot Jobs, those were kind of the three big job sites online that were gaining market share and really growing, but they were still competing, uh, believe it or not, with, with daily newspapers and, and Sunday classifieds and print. So uh, we saw a lot of problems with all the providers uh, that were helping uh, job seekers and helping employers fill openings. And we decided uh, that, that we had a view on building a better solution for both job seekers and employers. And it was a multimedia recruitment advertising company. So we combined web, print, radio, TV, broadcast media, we pulled into it. And it was a uh, local unit model rollout strategy that we were rolling out a free weekly jobs newspaper, which I, I am uh, slightly embarrassed to admit that that back in the day, we actually printed a weekly newspaper and published it and put it out on the street and uh, competing against uh, back in the day, uh, some other free weeklies, uh, employment guide was the biggest, uh, and the Sunday, Sunday newspapers and everything else. So it was, uh, that was the origins of the business. Um, so, uh, so that was the original model. Um, take us forward. How does, how do things change? Yeah. So, so really the, the origins of link up started, we, we, the, 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 the driving vision around that that legacy business, which we ended up uh, actually shutting down a, a number of years ago, that that unit. Um, but the 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 key vision around that was was really focused on quality, uh, driving a really really strong, compelling value proposition for job seekers and employers both. And so, at the time, the one of the major issues that we saw with uh, the monsters and career builders of the world, the daily papers, was was the quality of job listings uh, online were really degraded. So there were uh, all kinds of what we call today, and, and back then we called job board pollution. So scam jobs, fraud, phishing, all kinds of things that really created a degraded user experience for, for job seekers and employers. And that was one of the biggest things that we were uh, compete, you know, combating and solving in our business model. Excellent. Excellent. So we have established your, um, your job listings credentials. Um, where does, how, how does alternative data enter the frame? Yeah. So, so in, in really, um, so that was the origins of the business were in recruitment advertising. And then when we, during the, actually in, in, in and around the great recession, uh, in sort of the 2008 timeframe, 2009, as as the uh, recovery started to be uh, come back, we we looked around and we realized that we had this enormous data set of of very very high quality job listings, and one of the great deficiencies in in uh, sort of economics and and um, and and data is particularly from a macro standpoint, was the, the jobs data. And the we felt that uh, the non-farm payroll numbers, the Bureau of Labor Statistics that they put out on a monthly basis was um, had some had some issues with that and flaws. Um, but we also looked at a couple of other models. Then ADP had a number, Monster had a jobs index number, some others. And everybody was struggling to try to understand when the economy was going to start to see some job growth coming out of that great recession. And we felt like we had a, 
uh, a very, very high caliber data set that had some really strong predictive attributes in it. And, and again, going back to a job opening. So one of the things that's really um, powerful about our data set is that a job opening is a very strong signal of an intent for a company to, to make a hire, to fill a position. And there's mm. uh, not, you know, it, it seems it, it's obvious, but it is worth noting that that is a, uh, it's a very strong predictive uh, signal. So we felt like our data would be very highly correlated to job growth in future periods. So we built a, a forecasting model and started actually using our data to try to forecast non-farm payrolls and very quickly recognized that we actually had some some had built a, a model and had a data set that was very powerful in that regard. So we started publishing our monthly jobs numbers and started putting that out on, on our blog and and uh, getting that out sort of into some kind of visibility uh, into, into the market. And that really started to grab uh, the attention of, of people who were paying attention to that. And actually, it was, it was kind of an interesting story. We would literally I'd, you know, sit there on a you know, Tuesday or Wednesday night trying to uh, you know, run the model and, and write a blog post for that, uh, that month's jobs numbers that come out on the first Friday of every month. And I was late one, uh, late one week in getting that out. And I got a call on a Thursday from uh, somebody who literally called my desk and, and, and said, <laughs> where are your jobs numbers? And and, and I, I, I was just sort of dumbfounded and said, I'm, I'm working on them right now. They're going to get out in an hour, but who is this? And it was yeah. literally, it was, it was a guy from a huge uh, investment bank on wall street in their FX on their FX desk. And wow. we got talking and I had no idea that anybody, I mean, this was literally back in, in sort of 2009 that anybody was reading our my blog post, let alone actually wanting to see relying it, and, on it and do it and relying on it in some way. So yeah. I, uh, that really was kind of the first indication that, that, that there might be something in and around our data. And that was really where, where our, our data business, um, really started to take off, but in the capital markets, but backing up a step too. Uh, what was what was our our first data uh, when we rolled link about and our first year of revenue was actually in 2009. Again, we had this legacy business that was really kind of at the at the time at the forefront of our business. Link up was just beginning. We rolled it out in 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 09. The or the first data business that we were in was selling data feeds to other job sites. So. We had uh, we were actually powering uh, Monster and Career Builder and, and other job sites were buying data feeds from us because they really put a value on our very high quality, very current and and very unique data. Uh, mm. So that so we were in the data business from day one around LinkUp. Capital Markets was in came on a little bit later in addition to the data that we were selling to the human capital management space and again those that continues to be very much the case today that our data business is corporates um, in and human capital management and other corporations who can use our data for all kinds of use cases there and capital markets um, 
which we, again uh, sort of evolved over time. So, um, have you pretty much brought us? Um, you've kind of introduced the model today um, in a way, in terms of this is the job listings data. There was the demand in two thousand and nine. Um, I suspect the the next step is you started selling it. You started um, you you started uh, uh, putting it in a briefcase and hawking it around Wall Street. Did you? We we did so so while so again yeah the exact you're exactly right we the 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 data business around human capital management began very quickly and that was that was definitely a track in in, in and that started in in 2010 11 12 was really the origins of that side of the business on the capital markets that it did take a little bit of a longer, there was a little bit longer of a gestation period there. So we started to um, package our ideas and the concept around that and, and put it together. And there's really, there was a, it was a very interesting difference uh, for us. We had, it was very easy to, to build and construct and deliver a data feed of current job openings to a job board because we were doing that ourselves with our search engine. So all we had to do essentially was create an XML feed and, and allow somebody to, to pick it up uh, and, and use it. And it was always current jobs. Job sites did not care about our historical data set the way that uh, a hedge fund mm. would care about that. So it, in a lot of ways back then, it was a very simple, much simpler and easier data product to, to, to develop and, and deliver to a to a job site or another uh, person who was only interested in the current active job. So that's really where it started. Toby, I hope, I, I hope you weren't throwing last week's jobs in the bin. Well, I'll tell you, it, unfortunately, we there were there uh, before 2007, we actually we were not storing an archive. Oh, no. So our data set goes back to <laughs> 07, but we did oh. have a, a few years there where we were, which is, you know, again, it's just in hindsight is terrible. Keeps you awake but, at night. Yeah. I know it really <laughs> does. But so that was the biggest. So we started before we started to think about selling data to Wall Street. What we did is is put together a, a, a bunch of use cases and, and some, some sort of analysis and some work around that and the use cases and what we thought was going to be a compelling data solution for them. And we started talking to anybody and everybody uh, that, would, that, that might be interested. And so that really sort of in that uh, 2011, 12, 13 period, we, we had a lot of conversations uh, we started submitting our non-farm payroll forecast to Bloomberg, which would which posted them. Um, so we were part of. We were actually the first non-financial firm to to submit, and and uh, as part of about a hundred economists that were uh, making non-farm payroll forecasts. So that opened up a lot of conversations because we we were sort of the anomaly on that on that list. We had a very good track record with our data, so that it just we had we spent a bunch of years talking to. A lot of different places, and and eventually, we uh, hooked up with a partner of ours, a firm called Smart Market Data, and we collaborated with them and said, "All right, we and and the founder of that firm um, had been at Tops Reuters, uh, Refinitiv, and had started his own business, and so we started working to how were we going to develop and build a a data solution that was 
very much tailored to uh, asset managers, investors, hedge funds, and uh, worked together to collaborate on that. And that's really where the origins of our, our product uh, started in terms of actually becoming an alternative data provider. We started, uh, took us about a year to build that, and we rolled that out in, in 2014 and really just saw immediate and and significant traction in in selling our data to to the capital markets has the um has the adventure has the u.s bureau of labor have they um have they shown any interest in buying the data for their um for their non-farm payrolls have they they, no they have not (laughs) it's been one of the (laughs) you know we, we have on and off over the years we've tried to work with uh, federal and, and local state state governments. And it just has not, uh, that's, that's been an area where it's, um, we've, we've, we've not had, uh, we just have not focused as much. It's a very different sales cycle and a very different buyer. And we've tended to focus, uh, pretty much on the, on the private sector there. It's, it's uh, been a far more uh, significant market for, for us. Of course. Um, okay. And so, um, so you touched on it. So uh, quants were using you in the first place. Um, is that, is that still the case or is that, has it gone more fundamental? Who's, who's using it, you? Who's buying it you? Really now? Has, it really has evolved over time. So that continues to be a very significant uh, part of our business, but it has expanded dramatically. Uh, and, and we've really evolved over the last five, six, uh, seven years uh, as the market has expanded, obviously, as, as you well know, there's just been a massive explosion in, in the alternative data space. We have expanded uh, beyond, uh, and again, we continue to deliver and grow our, our uh, systematic uh, quant business, but we've expanded to include quantumental, fundamental, discretionary. We've moved, uh, in addition to you know, what was at the, back in the day, sort of a equities-focused uh, use case, it's expanded beyond equities to include credit, and macro, and, and other asset classes, private um, private companies is, is a huge part of our data set. So it's, um, we've, we've, we're doing a lot. We, we've continued to expand and grow the addressable market with uh, expansion of use cases and, and buyer types uh, in and around really the entirety of the, the capital markets uh, sector. So and so with this with this data, then it's that it, it can be obvious. I, I imagine that if you've got uh, if you've got a company adding jobs, then um, it's going to be a positive positive sign. You know, they're they're being optimistic for the future. Um, is there is there a negative? Is there a way to? I know a lot of people are interested in in shorts. Uh, I mean, is there a, is there a negative? Um, are there any negative signs that can be seen in your data? There, there are. It's it, it's a very good observation, Mark. You're right. It 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 is one of the things that we noticed very early on, and we, uh, again, I I had mentioned that companies typically are very disciplined when they fill a job, they will take the job off of their corporate career portal because they really don't want those listings to stay open and have a hiring manager continue to get resumes and applications for jobs that are, have already been filled. So they're they're very uh, disciplined about that. What we noticed uh, early on in our data as we started looking at it, though, is that there are sometimes there there are anomalous events where a company would uh, very, uh, depending either on the labor market and, and sort of the macro side of things, uh, there was activity there that 
they clearly were were not intending to hire because of um, sort of the broader economic uh, business cycle. But in other cases, it was very, very company specific. And so we started to look into that and, and recognize that our data set is actually very predictive of, of layoffs and distress, uh, too. And it's uh, it, it makes sense when companies are not hiring for any number of reasons, they're going to start pulling job openings off of their website. So we, we've we seen that over the years, and it can be in a couple of different time series. In certain cases, it's just general uh, business struggling uh, to, to gain traction and grow, but it can also be a downward trend in their business. And in certain cases, a very short-term uh, event around, for example, layoffs. So we've seen that if a company in advance of a layoff, once they've made the internal decision that they're going to have layoffs announced somewhere in the future, you'll often see that they will remove their jobs sort of in this uh, sort of massive, dramatic way in a mm. you know one or a two day period. They might pull down a huge percentage of their job openings off their website. So mm. we've seen that, that some very interesting cases over the years where that's happened. Um, so for example, we looked at it, we had a use case where we compared a layoff announcement from GM versus Tesla, and they had very different timeframes. So the GM, uh, announcement, they closed a facility, actually, a, a, a fact, a, a production facility, they shut it down and you could actually see by geography, all of their jobs came off their website about, uh, I think it was three months before the announcement was actually made. In the case of Tesla, they announced one of their first um, uh, layoffs that they ever had. You could see it, but it was about a five day uh, in advance of the uh, of the announcement. So there was a very different time frame based on, on the companies themselves. You could also see it at the at the product level, at the unit level. So in uh, prior to uh, Microsoft announcing uh, the discontinuation of their of their Windows, uh, their phone, you actually could see that they pulled all of those related job openings that they had had open on their company website. They pulled mm. them all down, and so there are some really interesting use cases on on uh, on on the downside as well. Yeah, I can see that. I can see it being very strategic and very interesting. Okay, and so in terms of you've you've kind of described it, a really wide variety of potential uses here, and and I can completely see you know from a quant perspective, seeing how many from a very basic kind of seeing how many jobs have been put on by this by this company in a month will show how its appetite for growth or um, you know how quickly they're filling it and showing maybe how efficient they're being or, or how successful they're being at growing or whatever you can I can really see the kind of numbers data crunchable. Um, like that. But you also talked about understanding um, a strategy of a company. So I can imagine also from a job posting, and I've heard the I've heard the kind of anecdotes as well, about a, um, you know, uh, it's often journalists actually looking at job postings for Apple and seeing that they're looking to hire a search engine expert or whatever, and seeing that that's right. a major push for, exactly. for Apple in the next in the next year, whatever. Um, but to me, those sound um that sounds like different a lot of different kinds of of data one of them is is very word heavy you know the second one is very word heavy and it's and it's a lot of kind of understanding of seeing that we've what we got is apple and what we got is is um as search engine and that those two things together are very interesting so that seems to me 
like a much more of a kind of um, reading lots of text kind of data. Yes. So I'm I'm intrigued by how you're delivering this data because it seems like for they're, they're two different potential audiences, but it also seems like they would want very different forms of data. Yes, you that you you're exactly right. So we have from from the very beginning the product the data solution that we and 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 what our data offering has always included both the the counts themselves, so the the the, the quantitative data around job listings and and uh, when they were posted, when they were removed, the dates, uh, so the duration. So we track uh, new job postings removed and, and active job listings um, and, and total. So there's a very quantitative structured data uh, component to the solution, but we've also included the unstructured text data of the job description itself. And there's there's very significant signal in both aspects of, of that, and, and particularly mm. when you put them together. So you're exactly right, Mark. There is uh, certain users are, are uh, less interested in the unstructured data uh, or don't have the tool set to, to use it uh, the way that could be optimized. Others absolutely do. And so there are, again, there's a wide range of user types and use cases around both the structured and unstructured components of, this of our is it. data. It's interesting. And and where and it, you're kind of offering, if you're not um, providing the kind of um, the NLP tools or, or whatever along with it, you're providing the unstructured data, which would allow a user to then kind of do whatever they want with it in terms of if they want to do their own NLP, then they could be, I don't know, they, maybe they'd be they maybe they could be um, searching for um, ESG related terms themselves to be right. able to do their own analysis. And so you're kind of giving them the ability to, um, to, to, um, to extract whatever they want from the unstructured data as well as providing the structured stuff. Exactly. You're, that is exactly right. And that's been one of the, the great sort of blessings and curses of our of our data set is that it has there's such a wide variety of use cases and and um, and and there's a just a, a depth and a breadth of signal in the data that it is it's 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 really exciting and it's been it's been really fun to deliver that and unlock it and see what clients are doing with it and help them along the way but it's also it presents some challenges and it's it, it, because it is, uh, you know, some, there, there are times when somebody will hear about or, or understand our data or be intrigued by it and they'll say, all right, so, so what do people do with your data? And that's, it's a really, it's a fun place to start, but it's also challenging because it's hard to sort of zero in on where are they and what's the best use case that's going to fit with it, whatever their structure is, their setup, their, their investment, uh, uh, you know, platform and and their abilities, technical sophistication, all kinds of things come into play very quickly. So, it it has been uh, over the years. It's 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 presented a, a lot of opportunity and and some challenges along the way. And that's really in in a lot of ways what has been uh, amazing to watch is is also just the evolution of the entire alternative data space itself. And again, going back to some of the origins of the business, we've always had this very open ecosystem mindset around getting our data into the hands of people who can use it and develop on it, build products, integrate it, incorporate it in, uh, even uh, to some extent resell it. So 
we crossed a very early chasm uh, when we started selling our data. Uh, one of our, our largest clients uh, early on was, was Monster. And it actually competed with our recruitment advertising business. But we determined that we were going to have both businesses always be able to, to optimize their own revenue streams and their own uh, sort of business units. And, and that, was, that was kind of a watershed moment back in the day. And it's, it's really informed our business today when we work with a wide variety of partners and strategic partnerships to allow people to build technologies and leverage our data in ways that we may not always be the, the best suited to do ourselves. So NLP is a perfect example of that, where there are providers in the market today who can deliver and, and develop signal using NLP technologies. And, and we're doing some of that ourselves, but we always want to make sure that we're getting our data into the hands of people who can maximize the the value of it and and that in certain cases may not be us in 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 certain instances mm. yeah yeah interesting interesting i mean instead doing what you do best and letting other people do what they they do best type thing exactly um, makes sense um i saw at battlefin last week that um there was uh, i saw and the announcement of a tie up between um linkup and revelio labs um what does that entail what does it what does it look like and what does it you know what are the what are the implications yeah so there's there's another perfect example so so as i mentioned early on we've we've never been uh we've never been in the business of collecting job seeker information candidate information uh the supply side uh if you will of of the labor market the job market but we've always known that that absolutely is a very significant part obviously it, it just uh it, it just is a natural that when you want to understand the job market having the supply and the demand together and understanding mm -hmm. that market uh in in its entirety is is really significant so we uh that really is is the premise around working with with Revelio Labs and and Ben and his team they have done there's a it's a phenomenal company they've done a fantastic job uh with their uh, labor uh supply information that they have and just to just to just to quickly uh, spell it out um i've had ben on this on the on the uh, on the early episode of the podcast but um but revelio is while you're doing the jobs they are doing the people so they're looking at um exactly. things like linkedin and and um and websites with 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 people's details right. and showing and and analyzing um what is going on inside a company, for example, or who's moving where, or what kind of people are moving from what company to what company, and and analyzing the movement of skills and the movement of of, of that kind of thing. So you're you're doing the you're showing where the jobs are, and uh, Ben is showing where the people are. Exactly. That that's it in a nutshell. And it's really our our view and and Ben's is that those two data sets work really well together. They're very complementary in nature. And in the employment space to have, again, both sides of that job market really creates a, a, a compelling uh, combined data set that, that I think is going to unlock a lot of opportunity for, for our, our clients. For sure. I can completely see it. What does the tie-up look like? How can it be accessed? 
at this point, uh, we have got a uh, we're, we've allowed and created a joiner file essentially that 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 allows people to map uh, our data set with theirs. So obviously, there's a lot of uh, concordance and mapping that goes on on or in and around alternative data. So essentially, we've just created a file that allows people to use and integrate both data sets together. And then we've got a uh, essentially a uh, data package uh, that that incorporates both uh, the the Revelio data and the LinkUp data together as a combined solution. Uh, so it's it's a essentially it's a product uh, partnership um, that that allows people to get their uh, use both data sets together. It's very interesting. I wonder it 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 it. Uh... It suggests a potential future where we all we end up with just one massive data set. We just uh, we just keep keep pushing them together like Lego pieces, and then we'll have them all in one place at once. It it really is, and that's you know when 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 back in when we started to work with uh, with alternative data in and around the capital markets, our view was that the the the, the platforms that were very early on uh, that were going to essentially be compiling marketplaces or platform SaaS applications that would allow end users to incorporate multiple data sets together, we very much uh, embraced that from, from day one because our, our, our view of the market was that while there is great signal in, in lots of alternative data sets as a single data set, that the power it becomes infinitely greater when you can combine data sets and combine signals and and pursue a multi-dimensional perspective on an investment thesis or or a model or an algorithm whatever it might be we we recognized or or felt that that was absolutely going to be the case so we we've always been of the mind that that um that that was going to be a very significant part of the evolution of the alternative data space. And, and we've seen that over the years, but I think it's going to continue to accelerate where uh, platforms and, and SaaS applications that allow and make it convenient and easy for end users to mm. get their hands on and leverage multiple data sets in a very convenient, easy way uh, are going to be absolutely the vehicles uh, in, in, and uh, drivers of, of value going forward. Excellent. So here we are, um, and uh, we're, we're still in the early parts of 2022. I think the uh, the Revelio um, tie-up sounds extremely exciting and, and forward-looking and very... Um, grown up in a way it's very kind of it would be very uh very easy to say oh no it's their jobs we're jobs you know it's it's um but i think it's a very uh it's a, a a very positive move um and uh and yeah i mean a broad question um 2022 anything else which is what anything else you're excited about or or you've been doing this for a long while and every year will be exciting in its different way but i was just yeah is there a, a, like what's what are you what are you looking looking at at the moment well we do we do have a number of different conversations and and launches that have uh we we announced a, a terrific uh rollout on the expel platform and uh late last year we have another uh we're doing some work uh with with raven pack uh so we have some exciting things there around the uh, nlp we have um, we're doing a lot of work with some of the major platforms. FactSet continues to be a strong partnership there, so there is a lot of activity, uh, and 
and things that that we see that are uh, again continuing to reflect the the growing adoption and expansion of of the entire space it really is uh it's been one of the um, you know upsides of of what's been a really challenging couple of years in and around the pandemic i think the just the the uh, focus and and value and explosion of of alternative data which was growing on its own prior to the pandemic, I think the the, the pandemic sort of put a hyperspeed uh, warp drive on the adoption and acceptance and and really the insights that are able to be gleaned from from all of these uh, variety of alternative data signals that are out there. It's really uh, it's it's an, it's an exciting time to be uh, in the alternative data space, to say the least. It certainly is. Well, um, Toby, thank you so much. Um, really interesting stuff, and uh, and thanks for for walking us through the 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 the, the long history of LinkUp and um, and all the way out to present and future. So um, so thanks so much, and and best of luck with uh, with the year ahead. Thank you, Mark. It's been a great conversation. Appreciate it.